Most of us have some sort of understanding of what trauma is. And also, far too many of us understand betrayal. But did you know that there is this whole thing called betrayal trauma? For those who have experienced it, finding those two words together is a game changer. In today's episode, my guests and I will discuss how gaslighting is pretty much always a part of the betrayal trauma experience. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast. I'm on mission to create a community, partially here in this podcast, but also through a private online community where there will be both a written forum and live question and answer sessions with yours truly. It's called Deconstructing Gaslighting Seekers Community, and I'd love for you to join. Check out the details on my website, sarahmoralescoaching.com. My guest today is Kenna. Kenna is a native Texan and neurodivergent mother of two with two bonus stepchildren, all teenagers, which is a whole thing, right? Because I only have two and that's crazy. (laughs) She is a lifelong lover of traveling. She has never used the bachelor's degree she earned in international relations unless you count her second husband, who is French. She's currently in transition in a transition phase with her career and is testing out possible paths for her future, including social media management. Ooh, nice. Her hobbies this week, I love it this week, are gardening, rock collecting, and jewelry making. But thanks to her ADHD, there is always something new to catch her interest. Totally relatable. I'm sure a lot, you know, whether it's ADHD or trauma brain, like Mm -hmm. a lot of us are like squirrel, right? Like new new thing. Yeah, exactly. So in here, it says you're a lifelong lover of traveling. Where's your favorite, one of your favorite places that you've been? I think Ireland mostly, I mean, it's beautiful, but the people, Mm. it's like being in Texas. They're, but better because they're friendly and they give you the shirt off their back. Ooh, I love it. And probably lots of ocean too, right? Yeah. Beautiful cliffy kind of ocean. I imagine Yeah, the West coast. Yeah. It's really nice. But I also have a friend that lives in central North. Okay. Ireland, so, uh, okay. And cool accent. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you. I I'm a lo- lover of traveling too. I did missions work when I was young and got to go some pretty cool places. Um, so I always like to, that's one of my favorite questions to ask people who have traveled a lot, like what's one of your favorite places. And then I put it on my bucket list. So Ireland check. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being my podcast today, Kenna. Of course. Happy awesome. to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I wanted to take a moment to reiterate why I feel the storytelling aspect of my podcast is so important. I've been coaching for around 10 years. And when I include my own personal journey, I have nearly 12 years of experience. And in both me and my clients' journeys, one of the most healing moments is that moment we discover we're not alone. The feeling of relief that comes with the ability to exclaim, I'm not the only one. This is why I invite brave souls onto my podcast to share their stories so that others out there can connect their own stories with the ones that they are hearing and discover I'm not the only one. In doing this, we often will journey through topics and situations that could stir things up as you listen. Today's podcast is one where we talk about compounded betrayal. As such, there may be topics talked about that could trigger some of your own trauma. Please be mindful and take care of yourself as you listen. Take breaks, do rectangle breathing, cuss if you need to. I know I probably will. Listen while you do some awesome rage cleaning or go for a walk or run. It's also a situation that I have unfortunately heard numerous times in my coaching career. So if you're out there listening and this is your story too, or similar to your story too, you can know you're not the only one. So before I get into story time with Kenna, I did want to share my word of the day. And my word of the day today is actually two words that each have a definition on their own. And yet when you put them together, their clarity and impact becomes profound. Now, many people who have experienced betrayal in their intimate partnerships don't find the answers they need to understand what they're feeling until they discover these two words, betrayal trauma. Right. So betrayal has its own definition. Trauma has its own. But betrayal trauma 
it's a little bit different. So if someone close to you has ever broken your trust, you know, this can be a friend, this can be a coach, it can be a teacher, it can be, you know, there's so many different places, like I'm thinking Mean Girls, the movie, right? Like there's so many different places where we can experience betrayal. And so most of us have felt that sting, right? Um, And this pain in and of itself can leave deep wounds. And while any type of betrayal can cause emotional distress, betrayal trauma happens when someone you depend on to respect your needs and generally help safeguard your well-being violates the trust you've placed in them. So it's a little bit different, like when there's more trust, when there's more dependence, right? Like, um, I I really liked the way um, I found this article um, by a woman named Crystal Raypole and Healthline. And she said in her article, betrayal trauma theory suggests harm within attachment relationships, right? So that's what's different. We don't necessarily form attachments to everyone that betrays us. But when we are betrayed by someone that we have a, a, a secure primary attachment to, that type of betrayal can cause lasting trauma almost always. And almost always, you will find that gaslighting is a main component of how the betrayal occurred. So that's what kind of brings us around full circle to why we're talking about betrayal trauma um, on a gaslighting podcast, right? Not all include betrayal trauma, but your story does, Kenna. So um, moving into story time with Kenna, um, you know, we talked briefly a few weeks ago And when we did, I could feel the pain you still carry from the dual betrayal. That's what I coined it. I don't know that, you know, dual betrayal that you experienced. Um, With whatever you're comfortable sharing, can you kind of share a a summary of your story with my listeners? Sure. Um, I was my first husband and I got married and moved to a little suburban neighborhood and we had um first child and then I, when i was pregnant with my second child i um we met some of our neighbors um mm. and they had a daughter similar age to ours okay and we became uh fast friends the couples spent a lot of time together um and the the wife became one of my best friends mm. Um, and I was at a place, I think at that time where I was like isolated, stay at home mom, social media hadn't really become what it is now. Yeah. And I was really excited to have like a new friend. Uh, yeah. She was a full-time working, uh, mom, but we ended up spending like every weekend together and doing things with the kids either together or with the husbands. Um, and about six years after that friendship began, um, that it ended mm-hmm. <laughs> rather abruptly. Uh-huh. Um, my husband and uh, and my best friend uh, had an affair for about nine months, and I didn't find out about it till they had already asked for divorces. Still had no clue anything was going mm. on. Um, I remember someone asking me. I'm like, I was working part time at a at a preschool at the time, and I remember asking off. Uh, work for my boss uh, one day because I wanted to go to couples therapy. I'd convinced him to go to couples therapy Mm -hmm. and um, I needed some time off. And she asked me, she's like, do you think there's somebody else? And I was like, no, there couldn't be. He only spends time at work and with me and my best friend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Who else could there be? And they Mm -hmm. hated each other when they met. Um, Mm -hmm. So there was no reason for me to believe that there was anything going on until he told me, and then my world crashed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's why the compounded betrayal, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. just your husband, which a lot, a lot, a lot of my yeah. listeners can relate to, right? But it right. was the fact that it also included your best friend or one of your best friends, oh, for um, sure. right? And that's just, I mean, I just imagine, you know, I know there are parts in my story where where everything was so surreal. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, you know, 
just felt that that dissociation. And for me, like there was one moment in particular where I, I didn't faint, but I came really, really close. Like it was one of those like movie scenes where like I leaned against the wall and kind of slid down the wall, like into mm. where I sat, you know, I didn't, I didn't pass out, but I came pretty damn close. Right. Yeah. And it's that extreme, um, abrupt, like crash between what you thought was your reality and what is your reality. Did you, I mean, I imagine you had to feel some things like that. Oh, for sure. I mean, in the moment, like he sat me down one Saturday morning, they told me, they decided it was like right after Valentine's day. And they decided to both tell their spouses that day. Wow. What was actually happening. And how thoughtful they weren't on the same, they weren't on the same time schedule. Mm -hmm. So he sat me down. I was about to go on a walk. I remember it all very vividly. Um, And he was, Mm -hmm. he made me some scrambled eggs, which I couldn't eat for like a year after that. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it was weird because he just made breakfast for me. Normally we'd all make breakfast and have a whole thing. So it was, the whole thing was weird. And I was going to go on a walk afterwards. And I remember putting, sitting down on the bed and putting on my shoes. And he was like, there is somebody else. Cause I'd asked him this question too. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he told me at the beginning of January that he wanted a divorce, that he was, he was out. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working my hardest to try to fix everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, he told me, he's like, there is somebody else. And I remember looking up at his face and he goes, it's, and then he said her name. Mm-hmm. And I just finished tying my shoelaces and mm-hmm. then bolted mm-hmm. out the front door. She was also our next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ran directly over to her house and I banged on the front door with such force that I, my hand went through the door. Wow. Like it, bro- it was a glass panels and uh-huh. I busted the door yeah thankfully not on the side that was near the hand the door handle because i would have opened the door mm-hmm. and entered um and i remember her husband and her coming to the door and her just looking like sheepish and look wouldn't make eye contact with me and i remember him being like what's going on like mm-hmm. why don't you ask her i mean it was much louder and there was a lot of cursing but yeah uh, <laughs> you know but, valid yeah. <laughs> seriously valid Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a definitely an out of body experience. Like I remember it, but I also don't remember at the same time. For um, sure. And then I went home and told him to get all this stuff and get out of my house. Yeah, and he did. Good. Yeah. Good riddance. Sorry, yeah. Sassy yeah. Sarah is wanting to come out and play <laughs> right yeah, now. No, it's, it's, it's <laughs> you know, fair. It's, um, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's it's so interesting, Kenna, because um, you know, I'm watching you. For you know, obviously, my mm-hmm. listeners can't see you. I can see you, and yeah. there's this thing that. Um, you know, for those of us that have gone through something like this or, or any kind of real betrayal where you're, you're confronted with a, a, a really important, significant person, um, you know, we have rage and rightfully so it's, it's part of a flight fight freeze. It's the fight part. It's, it's, I mean, and it's valid, even if it wasn't trauma response, this is unjust, yeah. it's unfair, it's duplicitous. It's all of those things. Right. So for a lot of us, we'll have different rage responses or different things that we do in our anger. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, women will share something with me or in, in one of the groups that I'm doing and they'll, they'll have this countenance where they're kind of, uh, embarrassed about mm-hmm. what they did. Um, and while there are some things that I, you know, I'm like, yeah, I wish I hadn't have done that. Um, I mm-hmm. feel like what I just saw you, the way that you just talked about your story, it's the same way that I feel. I, yeah. At least you have to tell me when I talk about what I call my carry underword moment. And those who have been in my groups know this, um, but I'll <laughs> share it here. For me, um, my ex's pride and joy was his Jeep Wrangler. And I, um, I took a key and I scratched the word liar into the driver's side door. (laughs) Oh my God. It was to this day, like this is 11 years later. I still do not regret that. That's one of those things where like every damn time he drove up, we had a long driveway. He drove up the driveway and I could see him pulling into his spot in his Jeep Wrangler and saw the word liar until it got fixed. I was like, yep. (laughs) It's like, Yep. <laughs> it was like automatic validation every time. I was, did mm-hmm. not feel an ounce of badness about that. And I feel like that's, I, I'm glad, I think I say that because I'm glad to to see you have reconciled that, you know what, I'm, I'm like, maybe it wasn't my proudest moment, but at the same time, like, I don't, it, it, it's valid. What you did was valid. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it also helps that it's one of the first things that when I started therapy two years ago it was one of the first things we tackled with EMDR. Mm, okay. So, so I could get to a point where I could actually calmly yeah. share that. Yeah. That it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. 
Good on you. Well, you know, you said something in there that actually leads me into the next question that I had for you, um, which I know for me, you know, you talked about being in therapy. Um, for those of us who have been on this journey long enough, we most of us have done the type of work where we can look back at our story and and be actually be able to now name things that at yeah. the time we weren't, especially those things. So like for me, um, the things that felt off, but I didn't know how, how come they felt off or why they felt off, right? Like either mm -hmm. nagging questions, like you said, you had asked him a number of times, was there somebody else? And he always said no. And of course you believe him because unless mm -hmm. you have actual evidence, you know, of course we're going to believe the person that we're supposed to trust, right? Per the right. definition of betrayal trauma, you're supposed to be able to trust your intimate partner. They're supposed mm -hmm. to be the people who safeguards you. Your well yeah. your well-being is supposed to be one of their most important things, right? Mm -hmm. so we're not meant to naturally distrust or question when they tell us something. Oh yeah. Right? So I'm curious if um you know, if you have been able to identify um, the times or a time or two maybe um, in your marriage where you, with your knowing that you have now, are able to go back and be like, oh, that's why I felt off about this particular thing. Are there any like scenarios oh, that come out to you like that? There was, so we found out in February, he, uh, he works for a big corporation that's here in town. Um, he is a software engineer. Thing. Okay. Um, he was working on a project that started, I think, in October. Um, and he warned me, he's like, it's going to be really stressful. It won't be done until next spring. And he would come home because their fair started in June mm -hmm. with them. And they were meeting up for lunch because um, they both had corporate jobs and they, they needed to let off steam and talk about these things because I couldn't possibly understand what that mm -hmm. was like. And then not. it led to happy hours and stuff. I'm with all three kids, our mm -hmm. two kids plus hers, after school, and they're off having happy hour. Wow. Um, yeah, fun. Fuck um, them. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, you were even watching her kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, watching her kid. That makes sassy Sarah um, angry. <laughs> yeah, and her husband also worked at the same company that she did, so he mm -hmm. had complete understanding of what she dealt with. He just mm -hmm. made less money than her, and that made her uncomfortable. Okay. Um. Anyways, uh, so anyways, he started this project. He told me it was going to be difficult. So, but he would started coming home about that time really angry every day, mm. and I just assumed it was the stress of you know being the breadwinner and mm -hmm. this project that they're working on, and um, and he got really angry. But one day he came home and he threw on this song by I think it's the Avett Brothers, and I can't remember the song because I can't listen to it mm -hmm. now. But it's something about a swing, like a a screen door and basically it was this person I think trying to decide if they wanted to stay with their partner or not. Oh, or it was okay. about like making a decision on whether to leave or go or, mm -hmm. um, and he was just like, he came home and he just turned it on really loud and blasted it throughout the whole house. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm trying to make dinner and deal with toddlers and yeah. children. And, uh, and I, I just kept telling myself, this is because he's just stressed at work. And if I just keep the house, Mm. clean and everything you know tried mm -hmm. everything to make him happy mm -hmm. meanwhile i'm also struggling with undiagnosed adhd and the inability to cope with any of these things mm -hmm. and executive dysfunction and mm -hmm. um so yeah, it was a fun time yeah um and I'm, I'm curious too right because again in, in most situations i'm kind of focusing on the intimate partner but i feel like mm -hmm. while certainly you know, your ex-husband and your ex-best friend were in cahoots, even mm -hmm. if their timing was off. They were definitely in yeah. cahoots, right? right. Um, we kind of have to separate it out. I I'm mm -hmm. curious if there were also kind of like these red flag moments in your friendship where you felt like something felt off and it didn't make sense. Why? With her, less so. But I'm okay. looking back on it now, even before their affair ever began, there was lots of incidents of them gaslighting me okay so i was a perfect victim for both of them yeah um, but there was one instance that sticks out and i i have no idea uh, time is definitely not linear in my head so trying yeah. to remember when things it's happened okay. is hard um but there was one time and i think it was either right before or maybe the beginning of their affair she would come over after work every day and have a drink 
mm-hmm. and chit chat. And uh, one day, I can't remember if she texted me saying she was coming over, or if I texted her first and said, you know what, today's not a good day. Just want to hang out with my husband and my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And she lost her shit. She mm. got so upset. And I can't remember, of course, like the exact wording or details, but I just remember her being so upset that I ended up having to go over to her house to console her. Yeah. She yelled at me and made me feel like shit because I wanted to spend time with my family. Ah, oh, the nerve. Um, and I left, I had to apologize <laughs> mm-hmm. and make her feel better. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like walking out the door to come back to my house and going, what in the fuck just happened? Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Darvo will do that to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then trying to explain it to my husband. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't understand why she's so upset. And mm-hmm. it probably was during that time because he defended her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that leads me to my next question was, I'm, I'm curious, right? Like anybody who's, you know, follows any kind of social media, gaslighting or anything, you'll often mm-hmm. see in your, you know, your, your newsfeed or whatever you call it, um, you know, like the top 10 things that gaslighters say, or <laughs> there are common <laughs> phrases. I think uh, to me, it's a lot, lot, lot more nuanced, nuanced than, than just being mm-hmm. to being able to recognize the phrases, because actually in my opinion, um, the, the more damaging, um, gaslighting is the ones that aren't as easy to identify. It's mm-hmm. usually in hindsight that we're like, Oh, whenever he said I, you know, was too emotional or, you know, didn't whatever, whatever. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's usually in hindsight that we're able to kind of identify the main themes or the main messages that were said to us that like kind of robbed us of our connection to our, our knowing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm curious if you are aware of any of those like common, common things that he would say to kind of (sighs) redirect you or gaslight you. I can't like his was a lot more subtle and it's just now. And honestly, a lot of it's just coming up as I'm listening to your podcasts. Okay. Um, cause I've been struggling with something a long time of whether or not, like I'd never heard the word narcissist until the divorce and I saw my first therapist and mm. I was describing her behavior and, and, and therapist instead of like, okay, I think she definitely falls in this narcissist category. Yeah. Him, I've struggled with more where he doesn't seem to fit. Okay. Um, that, but definitely there was a lot of gaslighting, a lot of tearing me down or, mm-hmm. uh, but I can't think of anything like typical. Oh, um, that uh, do. Yeah. And that's okay. I think you bring up a, you know, a really great point in that, um, you know, in the, in the workshop that I do, I, I talk about how it's pretty common and I actually think it makes things more confusing where a lot of people are using messaging where they interchange gaslighter and narcissist. Mm -hmm. Um, like I was even part of a forum for a while where it was healing from narcissistic and gaslighting abuse. And it was just all lumped together. And while, you know, the way that I like to say it is, you know, gaslighting is a narcissist's favorite tool. So they definitely use it and they're really prolific at it. Mm-hmm. It's not a necessary, like they go hand in hand, right? Like people can gaslight and not be a full on narcissist. They don't even have yeah. to necessarily be high in narcissistic tendencies. Um, and I, I unpack all that. So it makes sense to me that, you know, you can look at this best friend um, and see maybe some more narcissistic traits. Um, and then, you know, maybe, maybe it's because your husband's closer. Maybe it's because he is less of a narcissist and maybe, you know, whatever, right? Like for me, again, it's on the scale. Um, one of my favorite ways to talk about this is I say, mine always comes out when I'm driving on Mopac for people that are in the Austin area, they know what that means, right? Like, it's like, I'm the best driver. All you Texan drivers suck and don't know how to merge. (laughs) That's what I was like. One of my poor kids who are just like becoming drivers, they like, (laughs) They have yes. like heard this for the past 10 years. I'm like, it's not hard. You just take turns. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, so mine comes out when when I'm driving, right? But but all kidding aside, right? Like, um, it's a very confusing part of our journey. And we we want to understand, right? Like what happened to me and how did this happen and why did this happen? And I think that's where a lot of us go searching to try to understand narcissism. Mm-hmm. Is that sure. connect for you? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, but it, again, like it's always bothering me. It's like, I can't, he didn't fit those categories. I'm like, but then was he, I honestly listened to your podcast has really helped me understand yeah. that, that 
he doesn't have to be a narcissist mm-hmm. to still be um yeah but he would say he would just say stuff constantly to like tear me i didn't it wasn't like vicious it was always yeah. so subtle but it was just constantly over time like if i wore long like bermuda style shorts no you look like a lesbian you can't wear that or mm-hmm. you can't wear a baseball cap but it, mm-hmm. i wasn't allowed to call him a nickname that's common for his name okay. but other people were allowed to but i sounded stupid when i said it wow um, i also okay. couldn't say the word dude because i sounded stupid when i said it it was just little things like that that just built up downs. over time okay yeah 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 that's so demoralizing isn't it mm-hmm. oh completely yeah. I mean, it's like, and it's interesting because, you know, when I, when I teach about the different kind of, um, motives or different kind of things that you're going to come across when you're experiencing gaslighting and the different types of people that might do gaslighting and the roles that they take on all these different things. One of the things I talk about is this kind of one upmanship mm-hmm. that can be a driving factor and it does tend to be with those people that fall a little bit higher on the narcissism scale. Um, It's a little bit more subversive, right? It's not like it's, you know, I've had people who um, literally were given allowances by their spouse, right? (laughs) Because they were that controlled, right? Um, Oh, you're raising your hand. Okay. Yeah. That's part of it. Part of, you know, he might be higher than you think. (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there. He might just present differently. They do because they don't always have to be mean. Right. Like I think people have this because of the way we've talked about narcissism, we have these pictures of these like villains. Right. Like like, you know, vampire kind of, you know, red eyed devil people. Right. And more Mm -hmm. often than not, that's actually not how it's it's an it's this in hindsight, because there's often and this is where the gaslighting comes in. Right. There's Mm -hmm. often this way that the put downs or the control is intermingled with, well, I'm doing this so you don't look stupid in front of your friends, or I'm doing this so that whatever is something wrong with you. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so we walk away thinking that, oh, well, maybe they didn't say that very nicely, but I can see how they're looking out for, like, we make these concessions. You know, um, one book that I like to refer to a lot of people, um, it's called um, Beyond Boundaries. Great book, readers or listeners, whatever. Um, great, great book. Um, and one of the things he talks about in there is the trade-offs that we make, right? And to me, concessions yeah. and trade-offs are very, very similar. Um, and to me, that's a great example of that, right? It's like, well, yeah, you know, I, I really wish he would have said it like this, but at least he's looking out for me. At least he's not letting me do this stuff in front of friends or at least, you know, at least he's giving me money, right? Like if you have a quote yeah. unquote allowance, at least he's giving me money because, you know, I'm I'm trying to stay at home and take care of our kids. So I should be thankful. Oh, yeah. Right. And that's how he made me feel like I should be thankful because he is yeah. making all this money. Um, yeah. But he wouldn't let me handle any of the bills, even though I had even with my 80, she had no problem paying my bills on time. I had mm-hmm. no problem with it, but he took away any of bills that I had when we got married and he had to pay them. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and he took care of everything. Didn't trust me to do any of it. And then he wondered later why I wasn't interested or didn't know what bills we had. Right. Or what our responses, responsibilities were. Um, right. But you wouldn't like just was to come in and watch you pay the bills every, yeah. you know. Yeah. So when you think about, you know, where you started at the beginning of this marriage, right, mm-hmm. to where things were when your kind of D-Day happened, you know, what we call mm-hmm. our D-Day, um, you know, I, I make up there was a deterioration of yourself. Oh. Right. I mean, he even pointed out, he's like, you're not the same person I, I married. Mm-hmm. I was like, and mm-hmm. now I can go. Yes, that's because you made me a hollow yeah. self version of myself. Yeah, I'm wondering if there is anything that stands out for you. So for, for, so for example, for me, my my ex, he was one of these who was like, he was better at everything. He was better cook. He was funnier. He All, all of the things did not yeah. matter what it was, right? And and again, um, you know, one of the things about gaslighting is, is that's different from other things is, is a pattern. It's things that happen over time. We we don't exchange our reality and our connection to ourselves or our knowing overnight. It happens right. over time, right? So when we might enter a relationship feeling confident or feeling for me, like I thought I was a really funny person. And then I was with my ex for like 15 years before discovery and then another four after. 
before I finally mm-hmm. divorced his ass, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which for me was the right thing to do. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was the right thing to do. Um, you know, I had so become disconnected from myself. I remember probably like two years later, I was driving somewhere and I was just thinking about a group that I had had and, and humor is a huge currency in the stuff that I do. Um, yeah. To me, it's really healing. Um, there's laughter is something that joins us together, like like nothing else, in my opinion. Um, it, it has this unique energetic component to it. So high high frequent um, high currency for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was driving in my car and I was thinking about some things that I would say. And I'm like, it's like uh, this moment of realization happened. I'm like. I don't know what he was talking about because I'm fucking hilarious. (laughs) But it was this moment of me coming back to myself, right? Something that I had lost that, that actually is something that's really precious to me. And it might not seem that way. That's why, you know, there's such an individualness to, to our stories, even though we can relate. It's like, that was high to me for somebody else. That might not be a high thing. Like that might not have been yeah. something they ever valued about themselves, but it was something I had valued about me. And, and it was a, a beautiful moment where I was able to reclaim that. Um, I'm curious for you, what were some of the kind of side effects for you that some of the things that maybe you feel like you lost due to the gaslighting that was happening in your relationships? Both, both, right? Yeah. Cause I think I mean, the, they hit differently. Yeah. I would think. Yeah, they definitely hit differently, but it felt like they were in cahoots the whole time, even okay. though they really did, could not stand being in the same room together when they met. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just my sense of self. I was a lot more fun, a lot more free, funnier. Um, I think some of it started coming back just towards the end and maybe that, not that I had in any way responsible for the end of our marriage. But I think I started finding myself again, even mm-hmm. there towards the end. And that possibly spurred him on of like this, still not someone I'm interested in. Um, but like, like my my music, like I, they both criticized my taste in music hmm. um, separately long before they, they started their affair. And okay. I, yeah, just enjoying, like, just realizing I can I can listen to whatever I want. I love Mumford yeah. and Sons. I and I started going to their concerts and stuff, and they were like, "We don't want to go." I'm like, "Great, I didn't invite you." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, I want to enjoy it, and I don't want yeah. people picking apart things that I enjoy. And I, I definitely experienced a lot more of that. Yeah, once they were not in my life until they came back into my life, but that's a whole different story. Mm. Well, that, I mean, we'll, we'll get into that, I think in a minute, okay. just to, to kind of wrap up like where things okay. are at now for you. But, you know, I want to say that that checks out, um, mm-hmm. actually that it, again, not that you're the cause and at the same time, um, you know, one of the things when we're looking for signs of, mm-hmm. you know, where people might fall, um, mm-hmm. on, on the narcissism spectrum, if you will, um, is, you know, when they realize that the person that they've been getting their kind of supply from is not given it as much anymore, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, well, I can't, I can't push her buttons anymore. Like I used to, like, she's yeah. getting strong enough. She's getting her voice back. Like this isn't fun for me anymore. Like I'm having to work too hard to get what I want out yeah. of the relationship. And that's often when the people that are higher on the spectrum or have the actual full personality disorder do check out. So that yeah. checks out for me. Um, yeah. Just, just as an aside, I'm not a therapist. And even if I was, I could not diagnose your husband, your ex-husband, because right. he's not my client. Exactly. That being said, in the 10 years of doing this, <laughs> um, I feel like my, my picker is pretty good when mm-hmm. I'm able to pick out where people are on that scale. Um, so, so as you said, you know, you lost quite a bit of yourself. Sounds like you're coming back to some of yourself. I love how, you know, the humor piece, I could see it in your intro, right? The way you yeah. described yourself. Like I loved it. It was so entertaining to me and fun. And um even the way that you own the neurodivergent part and your ADHD, like I love that you're bringing that out and that you're talking about that. Again, like that's what it means to come home to ourselves. It's like, mm-hmm. this is who I am and I'm not going to make any excuses. If you don't like that, I like Mumford and Sons, well then fuck off. Don't come with me or whatever. Like if you don't, or if you're not okay with my ADHD, then you know what? Find somebody else or whatever. Like for me, I'm slightly OCD. 
I like things done a certain way and yeah. it can be a little bit annoying. I'm going to own it. Right. Like my wife would agree. She'd come on and she'd be like, yeah, it's a little annoying sometimes, you know, but when we come home to ourselves and, and, and what I loved about that example that you shared Kenna, and thank you for sharing it is mm-hmm. again, it doesn't have to be the, the, the gaslighting around the illicit affair that does the most damage. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like sometimes, and I, I make up more often than not, it's, it's, it's the repetitive nature of those little things that are about who we are, not even mm-hmm. about our really, like, those are the things that eat away at our sense of okayness and self-love. Definitely. Right. And I love that I hear you maybe, even though if there's still a little bit of struggle, which often mm-hmm. happens when they're shared kids, right. Cause mm-hmm. you can't just, oh, yeah. you can't just say goodbye to this person, you have to continue to connect and, you know, at least communicate with them. Um, I, I feel like I'm hearing you coming back to yourself somewhat. Definitely. I mean, I think I did really well. Some of it was just like, well, I have no choice. I'm seeing a mom got to carry on with my life. So I did. Yeah. Um, but I think therapy the last couple of years has just, we've dug out a lot of my trauma. And so mm-hmm. I think I've, I've definitely struggled the last two years just dealing with everything all at one time. Um, plus, some of the gaslighting is still ongoing. So, sure. um, from not just from them, from other sources. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, it's been hard, and I'm like I'm in a weird transition phase again now. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I definitely am more confident in what my future is, and I have a supportive husband that's just like whatever you need. Yeah, let's, let's go. Love so, yeah. supportive second people. Yay. Yes. I, you know, people need to hear that, right? Yeah. Like it's so scary. I don't know about you, but the people, <laughs> your, oh, your face was priceless. <laughs> the people that I know who have gone through betrayal trauma and then mm-hmm. ended their, their relationship and then, you know, chose to, to try again. Um, each one of us have had these like things that every time, you know, you have a deepening level of connection with that person or a deepening level of intimacy, you freak the fuck out, like trauma mm-hmm. responses, like, I don't know, I'm going to die. And then, you know, but you want to, because you're falling for this person, but it's scary because, right. Like, did you experience that too? Oh, it was very scary in the yeah. beginning. And it, we both have ADHD and I think it definitely leads to like you falling harder and faster. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, but he was just absolutely smitten. And I was like, I'm not looking for anybody. Cause we met mm-hmm. a year after the divorce mm-hmm. was final. I'm not mm-hmm. even here. Um, and we lived in the same neighborhood. Our daughters were best friends or friends okay. who went to school together. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, in the beginning and even the first couple of years, there was definitely been some moments where I was like, Whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. Yeah. This yeah. Yeah. Um, but not now, now it's not scary at all. Now it's, it's great. Like we both have been, growing and like we're both willing to grow and change like oh this is something we need to work on yep it's been fabulous i love that i love that so um so but for you where it has kind of what the situation is like now it sounds to me like there's he's he's still in the same area maybe some co-parenting stuff that has to still happen that gaslighting is still going on or what's the what's the situation like now honestly the the co-parenting is actually been fine. We've okay. been very just business-like about it. Okay. Um, I, I think I mentioned that I was stay-at-home mom, had mm-hmm. a little part-time job and I needed to start my life over again. So I did. Um, I'm not going to say what it was because I think that would give away sure. too much about who they are, but, but I started a career here mm-hmm. in Austin and um, they both still same jobs they had when I left them, but they took up my career as a hobby. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I didn't know that they were involved. And so it got to the point where um, they're on social media everywhere I went. And mm-hmm. um, they were also at every event or big event. That um, it actually, you know, it's just easier to say. Um, it was craft. I worked in craft beer and they okay. were present bloggers um, okay. and stuff. And so they were just everywhere I went and I could not escape them. Mm. Uh, and there was one point early on where uh, I ran into them at a, a a brewery and my ex convinced me that I needed to sit down and have a talk with her. And so we no. all sat down. Oh yeah. But I was frozen like deer in a headlight. Sure. Didn't know what to do. And so they made me sit down and talk to them. 
in public in front of all these people with alcohol involved and convinced me that, that a, she could help my career, which I did not need. Um, (laughs) and I didn't want her help. And that, uh, be that we should just both agree to stay out of each other's way and not, you know, cause any drama or problems. Mm-hmm. But of course they didn't want me to share the information of who mm-hmm. they were or what they were up to or what they had done mm-hmm. with anybody. Um, and I don't really like, even that was so traumatic. I don't remember the conversation yeah. <laughs> at all. Well, of course um, that was and then, so but they confrontational. They would, they would get mad at me later. I'm like what, but you agreed to never say anything yeah. or talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it led to me leaving that industry, okay. which is why I'm in another transition phase now. Okay. Well, you know, we um, just trust that the universe had something better for you anyways. Oh yeah. No, I found some new skills and just it like, again, coming into my own and realizing this is what I like. This is what I can do. Yeah. This are my, yeah. These are the things I'm good at. Yeah. Ugh. The nerve. So- the absolute. I mean, I'm. I'm. I, again, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm surprised and I'm not surprised because I have, you know, I have I've had clients tell me like, um, you know, one lady in, in particular, she was talking to me about how, um, you know, as she was going through a divorce process, her her soon to be ex started showing up at her like yoga classes, like wow. inserting himself into all of these different places that up until that point and they're like almost 20 year marriage or whatever had only been hers. Like he had zero interest in it. Right. So it's like, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. Right. Because it, again, it checks out. None of us were really into it before we all hung out and drank mm-hmm. a lot, but they, I think me being involved in, cause I came at it from a completely different you know, friend of mine was like, Hey, let's start doing this. And I had friends that had breweries or whatever. I just had the right connections and ended up, mm-hmm. um, well, the job that I really enjoyed, but it just, by the end of it, didn't. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't funny anymore because, they you were, know, yeah. we were meant to evolve as humans. Oh, yeah. we're, we're meant to evolve. And so that was yeah. a part of your process. Yeah. And I just, I'm so sad for you. Not sad for you. I, yeah. I, you know, I feel grief and I feel like a little bit anger <laughs> for you yeah. that you had to go through that really kind of shitty experience. Yeah. But, um, uh, Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I'm really, again, I'm just really so encouraged by where you are now. And again, to seeing you coming back into yourself and, you know, I, I would love to end, you know, our little story time here, um, with giving you the opportunity if, if someone is, you know, maybe where you were two years ago, like just having found mm-hmm. out and about, you know, this kind of nine years betrayal. Ago, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. The, I, yeah, but, the divorce was nine years ago. The, I just didn't start it. therapy until two years ago. Got so, it, yeah. got it, got it. Okay. Um, yeah. So maybe where you were then about nine years ago, right? Like mm-hmm. what What would you say as maybe a tip and or encouragement to them? I mean, definitely seek out a therapist, but don't just settle on the first person. Like the first therapist I found was, she was nice, but it just wasn't what I needed. Mm, mm-hmm. And I didn't know enough to know that I could, I could just find somebody else. It wasn't right, the therapy right. that wasn't working. It was just the therapist wasn't the right fit for me. Right. I'm um, just that. like in a relationship. So, That's um, right. yeah. So just keep, you know, finding until you find a therapist that will work for you. Um, and I know I had a lot of really good supportive friends and just mm-hmm. made sure to clear out anyone that didn't serve. <sighs> yeah. A purpose. Yeah. It didn't have my back. It it became very apparent who did and didn't. And, uh, yep. But I I tell my kids all the time, it's just about starting over again that because they're, they're in high school and they're starting to think about what they want to do for their life. And I was like, don't Mm -hmm. stress out about it. You can start over again at any time. That's right. You can right. change your mind and it's perfectly okay. That's right. I came across this meme once. I, I, I'm not going to say it exactly right right now, but it was basically, there's not a limit to how many times we can start over. Exactly. There's no limit. Yeah. There's not, oh, yeah. you started over four times, you're done. <laughs> you know, it's like, yep. no, we get to reinvent ourselves. We get to, especially as we're doing this work of unbecoming all of the things that we've taken on over the years from the various types of, you know, gaslighting and bad relationships and all the different things. Like there's a process of unbecoming all of this stuff and figuring out how, who we are. And as we are figuring out who we are, AKA evolving, we are in, we're re- we are reinventing ourselves. Um, so I love that you, that you are doing that, that you're giving yourself permission to do that. And, and not only that you're gifting your children, what a gift, 
to give them and to give to my listeners today. Um, So let's go ahead and take this into the deconstruction zone. The main point in today's deconstruction zone has to do with the tactic of inconsistency. Now, while we've covered inconsistency before, inconsistency actually has numerous flavors or ways that it can be experienced. And this often depends on what other tactics are overlapping with it. So today, while we didn't get into too many specifics with Kenna, what we heard was her sharing a variety of examples where her first husband and sometimes her ex-best friend would say something that was a criticism or put down and then somehow twist it into being how they were being helpful to her. Like when she said her first husband told her that she couldn't call him his shortened name, even though everyone else did because... When she did it, it sounded stupid coming from her. So this is an example of inconsistency overlapping with doublespeak. So this combo creates mind games that can really undermine us. Because there's a huge difference between someone who has our back or loves us and cares about us and what is called an intimate ally. So let's go ahead and take this into setting our alarm and see what kind of tools we can pull from this. Now, the double speak or inconsistency duo is not even remotely about looking out for the other person, even if they say that it is them looking out for you. When we're trying to help another person, when we're coming from this intimate ally place, there really shouldn't be any put downs involved. So if you are experiencing this gaslighting tactic combo, I encourage you to slow down and give yourself permission to ask yourself a few questions. Number one, where did the put down happen? Get clear on what was unhealthy or toxic about their, what the other person said. Number two, how did this put down make you feel, right? We want to make sure that we're not, you know, giving any concessions. Oftentimes, especially those of us that are highly empathetic, we might, you know, understand why the person might've said what they did. And because of that, we kind of talk ourselves out of how, what they said made us feel. So we really have to make sure we're paying attention to how, what they said made us feel. Okay. And then number three, do you think there is any validity to the point? So let me rephrase that. Do you think there is any validity to the point. So if someone is saying you shouldn't do this or you're too angry or whatever they are, you know, the put down and then I'm trying to help, like, what do you think? If there's any validity to the point, right? Like if, if they just said it in a way that was also mean or rude and, but yet they still had a point, what we want to do is ask ourselves, okay, Uh, maybe they have a point, but how would a loving ally bring this issue up to me? Right? Because again, we want to, we want to look out for what makes us vulnerable to the gaslighting. So if we know that there's some sort of validity to their point, so if they're pointing out a character flaw or, you know, a a thing that we do that might be, um, unknown to us because it's in our blind spot, right? A loving ally would do it one way. Somebody who is doing it in a put down way, obviously is doing it a different way. But if they're doing it with a put down and we know that there might be an ounce of truth to it, it makes us more vulnerable to accepting or tolerating that gaslighting delivery, right? Which we don't have to do. Okay. So ask how a loving ally would bring that up. Okay. B to this point, right? If not, so the main question is, do you think there is any validity to the point? If not, then do I feel safe having a conversation with this person around how you do not see yourself this way and to ask them to stop using put downs to communicate their point? All right. Lastly, if it's not safe to have that type of conversation, then try to work on boundaries or limits with this person. And um, this is a great place to reach out to your coach, your therapist, support group with help. Help setting boundaries is a whole thing, and often we need the support of others. Okay, that's it for today's episode. As always, if you would like to share your story on my podcast, I'd love to have you. Go to sarahmoralescoaching.com and click on the contact tab.
And again, thank you, dear listener, for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please leave a review and subscribe. And if you think others would benefit from it, please share it. And remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening all that you already are. And once again, not today. We got stars in the